Hey, Droogies, it's time for .NET Rocks, so uh, get comfy, and uh, here we go. Another stellar edition, if I might add. I am your host in New London, Connecticut, Carl Franklin. As always, my partner in crime in Atlanta, Georgia tonight, Mark Dunn. How are you, Mark? Hey, Carl, I am doing fantastic, and what's a Droogie? I don't know, a Droogie is a term that I first heard used by Alan Cooper on our show that we did with him. Uh, and so I'm considering it a term of endearment. Okay, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so please don't take offense. All right, to our legions of droogies out the there. Legions of droogies. Although it may sound a little too much like druggy, and I, I guarantee you that's not what I meant. <laughs> so uh, are you excited, Mark? I am always excited, but especially tonight. You are pumped up. I am Pumped up beyond belief tonight because uh, I I love our guest. Yep. And I'll let you do the intro. She's a good guest. Well, we got a few things to take care of first before we uh before we talk to Marcy. Well, you see how excited I am. I, I want to get right into the. That's show. right. I can tell. Well, uh, first thing I want to do is uh, give a couple of shout outs from some people who have uh, we've been in contact with. Uh, first of all, to James Wallace at Brinkster. Thank you very much, James, for all your help and support. Bringster.com, great place to uh, great place to park your uh, servers. They do web hosting and uh, all that kind of stuff. Ben Holt of Paris, France. How you doing, Ben? Uh, Govindaraj of India. We have an international hello list here today. R.C. Waite in the U.K. Uh, M. Gunnelin of Malaysia, Dimitri in Russia, Joe Daigle in the Philippines, Steve Cartwright in Australia, uh, Zahidur in Bangladesh, and Yossi Taguri in Israel. How's that for a list of shout-outs? What a list. I mean, isn't it amazing that this little show covers the world? It really does. And, and uh, these are just you know some recent emails we got from uh, people saying hello. So we wanted to return the favor. That's right. We appreciate you listening each week. And uh, next little bit of news that I that crossed my inbox really made me stop and think about the future, the future of Windows, the future of browsers, uh, the future of uh, Java. Check this out. This is an official release from Microsoft. Uh, I got it on July 25th, Friday, 2003. Transitioning from the virtual from the Microsoft virtual machine. Due to a settlement agreement in January 2001 that resolved a legal dispute with Sun Microsystems, as of January 2004, Microsoft will no longer be authorized to support the Microsoft Virtual Machine. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's the Java runtime that comes with Internet Explorer. Microsoft will not be able to address potential security issues, nor will the company be able to make any product enhancements. In preparation for this change, Microsoft began phasing out the Microsoft VM in its products after the settlement was reached. Going forward, the Microsoft VM will not be included in any future Microsoft products. Microsoft's top priority is to provide its customers with a computing experience that is trustworthy. And so then the rest of this is, you know, blah, 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 trustworthy, yada, yada, transition, migration, yada, yada, yada. So the gist of this is, uh, and, and by the way, you can check this out at www.microsoft.com slash java to get the full statement. Um, so we've, we've, knew, we've known this 
for a little bit of a little bit of time, but I really really hadn't sunk in. I mean, what this really means for for browsers. And if you take this in conjunction with another story that I saw this week that said basically Netscape is on its last version, we think. They're done. Um and not only that, but their browser share is about 3%, 4%, and the rest of it is Internet Explorer. So what does that say about computing? What does that say about embracing Java, and what does it say about uh, browsers in general? I don't know. It strikes me that, uh, you know, I wonder as we we see more of the .NET framework uh, deployed with operating systems, if we're not going to start seeing... uh, websites that are optimized for uh, for something client-side through the browser with the framework. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and then it stands to reason that if you're going that far anyway, why are you using a browser for, for your application? I suppose there's a good answer to that. If, you know, uh, browser-centric applications are all over the place, and... Uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to spin off another window to use an application. Kind of nice to have everything sort of centric in the browser. But, you know, for only certain types of applications, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, ActiveX never really caught on in no. the browser because Netscape didn't support it. And, you know, there were obvious security problems with it. But, you know, as we see a more mature security model develop with the framework, uh, we may indeed one day see really rich UIs running through the browser. That's true. We know that we can host uh, .NET controls in the browser. That's right. So if the framework is installed on the machine, you sort of have a lot more options. And, of course, none of the DLL hell problems and, and download installation problems. Well, uh, so, this, so, yeah, while that, that seems to be a concern, uh, it, it may actually represent a great opportunity for things to improve. I really hope so. Uh, I think, uh, you know, some some serious growing pains there back in the late 90s. Uh, anyway, uh, this is all pertinent stuff to what we're going to talk about tonight because our guest is none other than web data grid expert Marcy Robillard, otherwise known as Data Grid Girl, uh, from Toronto tonight. She joins us. How are you, Marcy? Good, Carl. How are you? Great. Hey, Marcy, it's a, a thrill to have you with us tonight. What's up? Thanks for having me. Oh, not much. So, yeah, interesting what you guys are saying about um, what's happening with the browser. I'm also hearing a lot about that, too. Um, seems like a lot of people are starting to talk about smart clients, which are going to be Windows apps that use the Internet but are not in a browser. Right. Looking to see some interesting things come out of that. Yeah, we've done, um, we've done quite a bit of uh, lip service to that on .NET Rocks. And in our classes too, and uh, we know a lot of people that that do that as well. It just uh, it's a natural progression of logic, I think. Yeah, I think so too. For now, mainly most most of my work is on ASP.NET on the browser, but I think in the future we're actually going to probably head back towards Windows again. I think I think so. Maybe for a corporate environment anyway. But there's yeah. always going to be a place for internet uh, applications. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, definitely. So, you finally made it uh, on the show. You were a guest uh, caller on uh, Stephen Forte's show, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That was a lot of fun. 
Yep, that was when we first were introduced to you. Yeah. And uh, I guess we stumbled, maybe Mark stumbled across your website first. Did you, Mark? Yeah, actually, I was watching uh, VBTV, and uh, Ari Bixhorn uh, gave a shout-out at the end of one of the shows to, uh, to Data Grid Girl. And I thought that was such a cool name, I had to go look for the site. And uh, right. before you knew it, uh, we were chatting, and I was asking her if she wanted to be a caller one evening. That's right. I was chatting with Stephen Forte, and I, I said, hey, do you mind, uh, uh, do you know the, who the Data Grid girl is? And he says, I want to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a big fan even back then. Oh, that's funny. And uh, so... But yeah, you're you're. Uh, we'll talk about the the data grid stuff in a second. But it's it's quite uh, surprising. Were you surprised by the response to your website and your your whole shtick? I really was. I mean, I wanted to put something together with a little bit more feminine and with some personality. But I've really gotten an amazing response to it. Um, some of the emails I get are just outrageous. But a great <laughs> response overall. Um, yeah. I've gotten four or five marriage proposals. Out of it. <laughs> But um, I was actually already engaged when I started the site and um, ended up marrying another .NET programmer. And that's cool. My husband, Eli, also writes my site, maintains the site, and uh, did the original design for it. Yeah, and he's a, a VBNet programmer, is he? Yeah. How yeah, cool Yeah, you know, is we've got to put a link up to Eli's site. He has uh, one of the coolest looking sites I've ever seen. He does. His, he's really good with design and art, and um, his site is pretty cool, erobillard.com. Cool. Well, um, let's talk about the group. Now, you've done, uh, you're going to, you're about to go to uh, TechEd in New Zealand? That's right. Um, I'm doing TechEd Australia and TechEd New Zealand, and I leave on August 7th. And, and I'll be there for a couple of weeks, and um, at each conference, I'm doing my advanced data grid talk. And then in New Zealand, I'm also doing another talk. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, some of the listeners are going to be there. Um, I've gotten emails from a few people in the past who had heard about it from this show and had emailed me saying that they were going to be there. So, Wow. Hello to all of you guys, and I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. All right. And you also speak at user groups um, all over the place, I noticed. That's right. I've been on kind of a user group frenzy this year. Um, I did Fort Worth user group earlier in the year and then um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then the Toronto one, and then I'm still doing Atlanta, Tulsa, and Vermont this year. That is so cool. It's fun. And that's right. For our Atlanta listeners, when are you going to be coming down south? Um, I'm scheduled to be there August 25th, but I might actually reschedule that one. Very cool. It is right after I get back from New Zealand, so. Yeah, you'll need you'll need a little time to recover from that. Yeah, so we'll see. But if I don't do it then, then I'm going to do it in one of the, one of the following months. Well, good. Um, what is the what is the one of the most popular talks that you do or or uh, topics? I guess uh, now you're also I should mention an MVP. That's right. So you spend a lot of time answering questions online, and you also frequent the blogs. I noticed. Um, what what are some of the the big ones out there that people having That's right. trouble That's with? That's kind of where I got the idea for my whole site was seeing all the questions that were coming up about the data grid. Um, it's such a common control in ASP.NET because nearly everyone has data that they need to display in a table somewhere on their web page. And so everyone has started using this control. And it's actually fairly complicated if you want to do anything really involved with it. And so I started seeing a lot of questions about it. And so it made me start learning about the control. I ended up deciding to do a whole website about it. Um, and then based on a lot of the questions that, I'm, that I see, um, I started putting up frequently asked questions on my website things like that, um, that I see a lot in the news groups or on the ASP.NET forums. 
All right, so we're, you're talking about the ASP.NET data grid. Why, why would you use it? I mean, what, what are the typical things that it's used for? What is it best suited for? Why would I choose the grid over, you know, doing my own sort of more standard user interface? Or like using the repeater controls. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the data grid is just a really nice, easy way to put tabular data on your web page, especially if you're just displaying data and it's going to come out in an HTML table. It's just a couple of lines to put an ASP colon data grid control on your page. And if the basic formatting is handled for you. You just have to assign it a data source and your data will come out in columns and rows. So it's real handy for use like that. Um, when you would use it compared to something like a repeater, as Mark mentioned, or a data list, um, repeater gives you a little bit more flexibility over the layout, and um, I'd actually recommend that if you need a lot of control over what you're doing. But if it's something straight, tabular, um, then the data grid is a really good choice. The data list is really similar to the data grid, um, except that it doesn't have the built-in paging which you can add yourself actually, but the data list is handy if your data goes horizontally rather than in vertical rows. So if you need to repeat something horizontally, the data list has a repeat direction property that lets you do that, which is really useful. Hmm. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But for straight up and down grid-like data, data grid is the easy choice. Now, do you find most people are outgrowing, uh, if we're doing editing, let's say, with a data grid, Mm-hmm. Do you find most people simply quickly find uh, limitations just using the standard built-in columns and, and go to using template columns? What's the, uh, what's the advantage of that? Yeah, pretty much. Um, if you want to do the really basic stuff, then you can stick with either the columns that are auto-generated for you. If you don't set anything, um, ASP.NET will auto-generate the columns based on your data source. But you quickly outgrow that if you need to do anything complicated. Um, Especially with editing, if you want to do anything other than just display a text box for the value, you'll need to use a template column. Like a common request is that someone, instead of just wanting to show a box for the user to edit a value, they'd like to show a drop-down list of different values from another table. Right. Or a preset, you know, yes, no, that kind of thing. So to put a drop-down list in there, you've got to use a template column and set something in the edit item template that lets you have a drop-down there. Uh, I've noticed that in the uh, when you when you go into template editing, first of all, horrible mm-hmm. UI. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, yeah. Probably one of the worst UI things in in Visual Studio. I hope they fix that. Anyway, when you go into to do template editing and you get into binding, mm-hmm. uh, you have simple binding where you can pick from a list only if you're using something like a component. You know, like a type data set and a component, right? Yeah. And if you're not, um, I found it pretty counterintuitive to figure out that databinder.eval stuff. Is there, is. Any, is there any good source of finding out you know, what, what's going on with that binding in the template? I'm not a real big fan of the UI um, for editing the, the templates in Visual Studio. Um, oh, that's I good actually mainly do most of my ASP.NET coding um, in a text editor, and so I type all that by hand. Um, there are some ways to bind something in there. Um, and usually it just takes some code. A lot of times what you have to do to, to bind something in there is um, actually to wire it up during the on-item data bound event. Okay. And there you can get a, like say you're putting a drop-down list in there, um, you can get access to it during the item data bound event and actually uh, load up the data source there. And that, ev- that is the easiest way to do it. And that's an event in the data grid? That's an event of the data grid, yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're pretty hardcore. Are you using Notepad or do you use uh, the web matrix? Textpad. 
Text pad, all right. Ooh. Uh, I got line numbers and uh, some color coding and then just type it all from there. I am a big text pad fan, by the way. I love yeah, I love text pad. But um, we'll my largest client right now is using Visual Studio. And so I've gotten pretty familiar with it because I use generally whatever my clients use. And so I've gotten more familiar with it in the last few months. But in all of my learning stages when I was learning ASP.NET, I just decided to go at it with TextPad so I can learn the syntax myself. And it was useful. Now I'm starting to find some uses for Visual Studio, but I'm glad that I took the pains to kind of learn it the hard way. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, we've uh, mentioned a couple of times that uh, on this show that you know it can be very painful for students first learning ASP.NET to do everything in TextPad, but yeah. I guess you know you're really true. You're really right. I mean, you learn what's going on for real yeah. under the hood, and you you learn to understand the differences between ASP.NET and Visual Studio. Right. You know, the first course that Microsoft released uh, to teach ASP.NET, uh, it was done basically in Notepad. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was course number 2063, but they quickly revised it because the, the students had you know negative feedback about using Notepad. I also came from a classic ASP background, and so I was using TextPad for that already. So it was more comfortable for me. But if I was coming at ASP.NET brand new, either from a VB6 background or from no programming experience, it would be overwhelming, I think, not to have some kind of IDE. But I was I was pretty familiar with just typing everything. I just had a lot of new .NET Framework syntax to learn. Yeah, the, the response I usually get from a VB programmer that is learning ASP.NET is, you know, what's the big deal? This is just like VB. That's right. But, you know, if you if you run into a classic ASP programmer, they're blown away it's, by the It's really amazing, isn't it, Mark? I mean, in the same class, you have people going, whoa, and other people just yawning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. Yukon, Whidbey, and Longhorn. Oh, my. That's right. Well, that's what you're going to learn about at the PDC, the Professional Developers Conference, that Microsoft is going to throw here in October in Los Angeles. Um, you can check out the link on our site to the PDC. And I hope to see you there because we're going to be doing a .NET Rock show at the PDC. It's going to be a game show, a quiz show, with a panel of experts. And there's going to be beer. At least that's what we've been told. So uh, we're going to record the show, of course, so if you want to take part in the festivities, make sure you get on down to Los Angeles for the PDC. Not only will you learn about the future of ASP.NET and uh, .NET and SQL Server and Windows, but you'll be able to hobnob with schmucks like Mark and myself. Anyway, uh, this is an incredible show we're doing with Marcy, and this was taped before she agreed to do the ASP.NET Masterclass with Mark. So that's why you'll experience the time warp there. Also, I wanted to mention, Franklin's Net has taken advantage of its two-for-one success that we had this summer. We've added another VBNet Masterclass, September 8th, and we're offering the two-for-one special again. And this is the last one we're offering here until Mark's Atlanta class, so in November. So if you want to uh, save some money on training and bring a friend, this is the time to do it in the slow summer months. Now let's get back to our talk with Marcy. Robillard, the data grid girl, right here on .NET Rocks. Don't you go away.
So Marcy, I'm curious how you got started uh, and tell us a little bit about the, uh, the company you run. Well, um, I do my own consulting. Um, I've worked for full-time employers in the past, but now I just do all my own consulting. And uh, pretty much all my clients right now are data grid work. So um, through my website, I've gotten my clients small projects mainly. And um, somebody will send me a data grid and I'll code it up and send it back or help. A lot of my clients actually are developers. And so I'll help them with the problems that they're having. And then um, the largest client that I have right now is still in Texas. So I go back and forth between Texas and Toronto. And what I'm doing for them is um, I'm actually kind of mentoring them as they move towards .NET. And um, they had a lot of data grid questions starting off. And so that's how they found me as well. But then I kind of mentor them in all of their .NET development. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you've actually helped me on a couple of occasions. Yeah, that's right. When I've been doing mentoring, I'll, uh, I'll pull up MSN and get you to answer questions about the data grid. Yeah, I have a lot of people that do that, actually. Um, the people that have me on their MSN list pretty regularly will say, hey, do you have time for a quick data grid question? And sometimes the answer is no, but usually I do. Right. Uh, what what uh, you've been doing for me is in front of usually a group of uh, 15 to 20 students. And, you know, they'll just ask questions. So they, they really appreciate it. And they all know who you are. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'd like to do that some more. I like answering data good questions. Um, I actually haven't had enough time to do it lately on the news groups, but um, I like spending time out there and just seeing what people are doing and answering questions. And a lot of times it gives me ideas and things to think about, um, things that I want to write about, things that I want to experiment with. Uh, some listeners may not know what uh, the MVP program is all about. Uh, how did you become an MVP? What did you have to do? Um, I think I was mainly selected for my answers on the news groups. Um, it's a program. Microsoft basically monitors the news groups and the community at large, looking for people that provide community resources um, through websites like datagridgirl.com, but also through answering questions at the news groups, the, the ASP.NET forums, and uh, some of the listservs in the community. Right. I remember you telling me one night uh, how many questions you'd answered in just one month. And it was a staggering number. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, I was really on a roll. I've been really lax the last month and a half, but um, I used to answer just tons. Those answers get archived too, right? So Yeah. The forums especially are pretty easy to search. And the news groups as well. With, go with groups.google.com, you can search the news groups and find a lot of good answers that way. That was uh, at one time Deja News, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Cool archive. Yeah, so they've got everything on there. Um, if you search for Data Grid Girl, half the links you find are Google Groups or different sites that have archived copies of the news groups. I got a good question for you. What kinds of situations would you advise against using the Data Grid? Um, let's see. I ran across one recently where someone was trying to do um, just too many things. Like if you want like to flip your data the other direction, like you want the columns going down and the rows going across and some of the really complex kind of formatting scenarios, sometimes it just gets too complicated to where you'd, you'd, it'd be easier for you to just write the code manually to output this right. rather than try to use a data grid. Right, like trying to do a pivot table, something like that. Yeah, like or something that's not a table, that's not tabular and trying to nest a whole bunch of things in a data grid. It can be done, but sometimes it, it gets too complicated. I've also found that if you have too many columns in a table, yeah. it becomes hard to edit. Yeah, because you're constantly scrolling to the left and right. Yeah, and there's some UI scenarios where it's not necessarily a good choice. Um, I think for editing, um, I use the edit item template if it's 
small number of columns, like you said. If it's a few things to edit, yeah, maybe just edit it straight in the grid. But if you're editing a whole form worth of data, I'll usually just open up another page that's a whole edit form. Right. So, that's a that's a good good point. Yeah, I imagine dealing with hierarchical data can be a challenge with a data grid. That's true. That's true. There's a few people that release controls. Um, a guy named Dennis Bauer has released a control that's called like the hierarchical grid or something like that that's built for that scenario, and that's a pretty cool control. Huh. But the data grid itself, once you get into that kind of scenario, you end up having to nest either another data grid inside or things like that, and you can get into pretty complex nesting scenarios. What's that control called? I think it's called the higher grid. Higher grid? Something like that. Okay, well... I have a link to it on my site in the articles section. Okay, we'll find that link and, and put it on our site too. Yeah. Right, that's one thing from the Windows data grid that doesn't translate real well to the web grid. The, the Windows grid is higher. That's true. That one does handle the hierarchies much better. Yeah, I, I was surprised by the lack of um, uh, consistency between the, the Windows grid and the web grid. And yeah. uh, little things, too, like like the list box in ASP.NET, having a, a data text field and a data value field where the list box in a, on a web Windows form has a display member and a value member that do basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Little things like that. But uh, that, That's a question I get a lot, are, are questions that are related to the Windows data grid or um, they're trying to use some of the things that I suggest for ASP.NET data grid in Windows, and they really just don't apply. Um, I actually wish that Microsoft had named them differently because they're really not the same control. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost uh, scary how how similar they are. And yeah. people forget that they're writing a web application. True. I mean, they're similar in many ways, and a lot of things you can do the same, but then certain types of things are completely different, like um, custom columns are com- handled completely differently. Right. Because I know how to do it for the web, and then I've had people write to me and try to do it for Windows, and um, I'm not really able to help them because it's a totally different process, and I haven't done it for the Windows grid. Yeah, it is It is a different process. It's It's a little bit unintuitive if you're not uh yeah that's totally different on the web there's not table column or table styles or column styles what are you finding uh people are using uh the grid for mostly for display only or for editing or or a both lot of display um a lot of reporting people are starting to use data grids right um but a lot of people are trying to edit as well and do some pretty complicated things and that's when they start running into the, into problems but they ask questions and it, you can do a lot of things, actually, in the data grid, but it, it can get complicated. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned if, if they wanted to build something that was, uh, say, a custom display, mm-hmm. uh, are you overloading events uh, to, to do that, or are you just programming events directly? Um, usually you're just programming events directly. Uh, the two events in the data grid that you're going to get the most use out of are the item data bound event, which I mentioned earlier. That happens as the data is added to each row, and there's also an item created event, which happens as each row is created, each item is created. And those two are very useful. Um, another event that's also useful is the pre-render event, and you can put finalizing display code in there. Right, I think that's where I've seen a guy uh, put a pin, an icon of a pin next to a row, and if you wanted to edit that row, you just click on the pin, and suddenly all the cells are replaced by text boxes, and you can edit the row and then submit it. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Hey, here's an off-the-wall question for you. You know the uh, when you add a 
edit button for edit, and then you have a turns into an update and a cancel button. Right. There's two different styles for that button that you can select. One is a link button, and the other is a push button. Yeah. You ever had a situation where the push button just didn't work? Yes. Didn't fire the event? That one I've seen a lot, too. Um, Because of the way that that push buttons or buttons in HTML cause a post back, the way they trigger data grid events is totally different. Um, Usually that problem is caused by not checking for is post back. Um, Sometimes you can get away with it if you're using link buttons, but then on a push button, the same code will fail, which seems totally counterintuitive. But it's the way that it it does the JavaScript to do the postback. The other thing that sometimes can cause that is having view state turned off for the grid. And um, when I give user group talks, I talk a lot about view state, which they can cause a lot of the problems that people have with the data grid. Yeah. You think are people very scared when they view a source and see all that view state data (laughs) in there? (laughs) And and that's actually not that much if you think about it. I mean, it depends. how big your data source is. Well, that's true, of course. But if you have like a, you know, you're doing paging and you're showing maybe 10 or 20 rows um, and you do a view source, you know, you may be seeing as much as 20K worth of yeah. data. But, you know, nobody would think twice if you put a 20K GIF on your page. That's true. You know. It, it just, just looks, looks like Yeah, it looks big because it's a notepad. Don't know what it is. Right. And people get concerned about the page size for it. But like you said, I mean, so many images are a lot larger. Right. But um, if you are concerned about it, there are some things you can do to get rid of it. Um, One of the things also is that if you're doing paging, just the default paging that comes with the data grid, and say you have 10,000 records and you're only displaying them 10 at a time, with the default paging, actually all 10,000 are stored in your view state. Oh, wow. So that can make it large. And that's where you want to go to custom paging or else turn off the view state. So are you wow, are you saying so if you're using just the default paging yeah. and you've got 10,000 rows, all 10,000 get sent down to the client every time? That's right, every time. Oh, That's a hot tip there. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, most people don't know. And it, it, so that can make your size pretty large. When Dino Esposito was on, uh, he was talking about a technique that he wrote about where you could save the view state on the server on the server side, and I went, uh, yeah, I think I shared this with you. I went to uh, get that source from the article, and he, it was in C-sharp, so I converted to VBNet first. Yeah. And what he was doing was writing it out to a file on the server, which then, of course, means you have to have security to do that, so he right. had to muck with the security. So I, I changed it to use a session object instead okay. of writing it to a file. It's more dependent on the session, and it's also a little bit strange because it's no longer tied to your page. Like when you hit the back button, the view state doesn't change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still what it was before. So there's a few little issues, but but it's pretty cool. It's that's actually up on our on our website, uh, and I'll I'll give people a link to it for cool. the show. But it is neat. All you really do is add a reference to my DLL. And instead of inheriting from webui.page, you inherit from this particular view state page, and everything else is fine, is the same, except there's no view state data, and it's stored in the session. And you, ne- you never see it. Interesting. Dino has a lot of great data grid articles. Um, I have a section on my site where I just link to data grid articles, all the ones that I can find, and a- about a dozen of them probably are Dino's, and his book also is excellent. 
Oh, did his new book come out? Um, no, I haven't seen his new book yet, although someone else was telling me about it. But um, his ASP and ADO.net book has a, at least about four chapters on data grids, and it's really good. Wow, cool. Yeah, when we were talking to him, he was just working on a tome, like a thousand-page book. And I, I suppose it should be out by now. He said it would be in July, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it's probably been long enough. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, we I need to contact him to get him to, to send us a free copy. That's, that's right. right. And and in return, we'll send him some barbecue ribs. So Yeah, that's right. We'll give him some sweet ribs. Yep. <laughs> For anybody who's listening, Dino Esposito loves barbecue. So you just... Uh, that's right. If you ever see him on the street, invite him immediately into a barbecue restaurant, right. and he'll be your friend Be your forever. friend forever. Exactly. So so how how much attention do you pay to datagridgirl.com, the website? I mean, I see you have a lot of links up there. How often do they change, and how often do you put things on there? Oh, actually, lately I haven't been very good about it. Um, I try to put new articles in my article database whenever I find them. Um, and that, So that updates pretty regularly. Article database. So you mentioned that before. I'm looking at it now. This is, wow, just a huge list of links. Yeah. Huge. It what is huge. Have, I need to find a way to reorganize it, actually, because I'm getting so many in there that it's hard to scroll through everything. Um, wow. But I just have that in a SQL Server table, and as I find new ones, I just add in a row um, to that database, any kind of article that I find that's related to data grids. Wow. And then, um, Jeez. oh, how often do I update? Um, I try to update the frequently asked questions when I'm spending a lot of time answering data grid questions on the news groups. I try to get those updated. But um, lately, I haven't been updating the main site as much. But um, I've been spending a lot of my time weblogging at uh, weblogs.asp.net. Yeah, I'll talk. I want to talk about that in a minute. I also want to mention first that uh, in your fact, I'm just looking through your fact, and your answers aren't just answers, but they're little code snippets. That's right. A lot of them do have code snippets, and um, so like I actually a, have a huge directory that I've been meaning to publish of about 100 data grid snippets that are just things I've created on my machine when I'm playing with these different things. And right. they're usually what I use to answer questions, or if I post something right. like this in my fact, it's out of one of my snippets. Like, like this one, the first one. Question, how do I use a helper function to alter the output within my data grid based on a value from the data source, which is a great question. And Answer, here's a sample use of a helper function in VBNet. And you've got code there. It's mostly code, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the answer I'd is, rather write code than write, I, t- really. I totally hear you. I'm there. <laughs> That's a universal language among developers. Otherwise, exactly. you're just describing the code, you know? Sure. It's a, <laughs> the code speaks for itself, right? That's right. Just look at the code. Yeah. <laughs> look at the code. Um, if I get enough questions about some code that I post, then I'll update the text. Right. Something's not clear. People usually email me. How, question, how do I hide a column in my data grid if auto-generate columns is set to true? Answer, auto-generated columns do not appear in the data grid's columns collection, and so the usual method of hide a gra- hiding a data grid column, which is columns whatever divisible equals false, will fail. So, the place to handle this is in the item data bound event of the data grid, and there's the code. How cool is that? This is great. I'd like to see more of this, actually. There's only, like, yeah, I need to questions. put a whole bunch more on there. I mean, you must have answered a thousand or more, thousands of questions, probably. I thousands, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so you're going to ruin Carl's night now. After the show, <laughs> he'll spend countless hours going through all those code samples. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Well, it won't take too long to go through the ones I have on there, but I'm going to be updating it soon. So this other one here, Rent. 
Rent Data Grid Girl. That's right. This is, <laughs> I've never heard it put that way before. But, uh, <laughs> so this is a, just a link to your consulting information. That's right. Very good. So you're just available. Somebody can email you and say, hey, uh, I want to hire you to check out this code or whatever. Yeah, I'll do little stuff, even one hour. Um, they'll send me something or even have a question that they want just answered in detail. And I'll usually code something for that. They're actually paying me to answer a question. I'll code up a sample or something like that. Um, so I do all kinds of small projects. Yeah, cool. It's fun. That's great. And also the gallery. This is new, huh? No, I've had that actually. Have you? Uh, my celebrity gallery. I have a bunch more pictures I need to add to it since <laughs> TechEd and a couple other conferences I've been to. That's pretty cool. So I got a picture with me and Dino. Yeah, I see Data that. Data Grid celebrity there. I see that. <laughs> yeah, you give out uh, buttons at conferences, don't you? That's right. I have buttons printed up that say datagridgirl.com. Oh, you are a marketing machine. We're all in uh, awe. <laughs> we're all, you know, we're just jealous because we don't have, you know, the shtick. So. Well, it's easy when you only focus on one control, you know. True. Be very focused. So you mentioned blogging. Let's talk about blogging because yeah. I know you do a lot of that. And we're we're getting on the blogging bandwagon here good, too. Good. Please don't email us. I know. <laughs> when are you going to start blogging? <laughs> we This whole show is a blog, isn't it? We just no. have to make it a little bit more accessible. Yeah, it's just an audio blog. It, it is That's kind of it. an audio blog. Right. We just have to make, we're, we're working on ways to, uh, you know, table of contents and finding information in all of our shows. So we're working yeah. on that. So tell me about blogging. How much blogging do you do? Um, I go in spurts. There are people that blog every day, and there's people that blog you know, once a month or two. I'll blog a couple of times a week, but in spurts. Did you blog last week? Did you blog the week before? Yes. Yes. You blog... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just I a... blogged I've never heard blog as a verb before. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing a little History of the World Part 1 there. I see. Never mind. Okay. I'm sure someone got that. G continue. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think it's a really interesting way to keep up with what's going on. Um, I just love reading them and seeing what everyone else is up to. It's kind of how I keep up with news in the technical world for sure right now. So it's very interesting. And you really get to know kind of the other blogging personalities. Right. So is is Scoble really a big, the, the blog guy? I mean, is he is he as well-known? everywhere or is it just us that i think he is i think he's one of the most well-known bloggers um that's probably my favorite blog yeah, i read his blog too and i don't read that many blogs i read his every day all right so we have two of the 18 so who are the others <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i actually read an entry in his blog uh carl about that he said yeah. he was saying that uh i i forgot how many hits he had from people listening to our show oh yeah he did say something about you yeah, guys that's right Right. Yeah, and we we got hits from his references to in the blog. I bet because a lot of people read him, and then a lot of people that may not know about your show will get to hear it from them. Right. And and where is your blog located? It's at weblogs.asp.net, and there there are a couple of hundred .net bloggers, and mine is weblogs.asp.net/slash/datagridgirl. Now, are there bloggers at weblogs.asp.net? Are there blogs on other topics other than ASP.net, or is that just? Well, we're all supposed to kind of stay focused on .NET, but we all ramble and certainly get off topic and talk about whatever we feel like. Oh, so it's .NET. It's not just ASP.net. It's .net. no. It's there's some Windows .NET people on there as well, and really anything. 
But it's it's mainly cool. who. It's who got interested in it. It's kind of .NET community people who may or may not be talking about .NET. In theory, we're supposed to, but... Right. Well, that sounds pretty cool. We, we, we really have to get into the blogging thing, and uh, it's just been a matter of time for us, um, you know, and, and we've been busy. We've been busy here at Franklin's Net, keeping the world informed. That's right. So we're working on some cloning technology to make clones of ourselves, so we'll have more time. That's right. That's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's very scary. Yeah, we always say pound for pound, we're the best trainers in the That's business. Right. <laughs> Your best value, pound for pound. <laughs> hey, this is Carl Franklin, and I've only got a few minutes to tell you about some of the sessions that I'm going to be presiding over as conference chair of Visual Studio Connections in Palm Springs this October. Check it out. Ken Getz is going to talk about searching, sorting, and filtering data with ADO.net. Bill Vaughn, doing the impossible with ADO.net, talking about scrollable and updatable cursors on the server side with SQL Server and ADO.net. I'm going to talk about dealing with hierarchical data and Fernando Guerrero is going to talk about designing your own data adapter. And not only that, but uh, there's a whole bunch of other topics, graphics development, mobile development, object-oriented coding, uh, remote access, system programming, Windows Forms, Javal Lowe is going to be talking about uh, uh, generics in C-sharp. Uh, Mark Dunn's going to be doing incredible stuff on uh, garbage collection. Uh, Billy Hollis is doing some really advanced talks on Windows Forms. And that's not that's just the Visual Studio.net part of it. There's a whole nother conference that you have access to with a single ticket, all for ASP.net. And if you just go for to uh, www.devconnections.com, you'll see there that there's ASP.net connections, Visual Studio connections, and SQL Server connections, all in one conference. So the, for the cost of less than a ticket to VS Live, you can get into all of these conferences and see some really good content that's handpicked by guys like myself and Paul Littman, who's the conference chair for the ASP.NET uh, conference. So this is really good stuff, folks. I really hope you at least take a look at this website, uh, www.devconnections.com. Okay, this is cool. We just sort of start chatting here, and uh, we pick up a few more pointers of some good books and things like that and uh, wrap it up. So uh, thanks for listening, and now let's get back to Marcy. Eli is also a musician, isn't he? That's right. Yeah. You mentioned yeah, that. He we plays really, drums and also guitar. And We really have to hang out. You guys got to come down and see the studio and everything. That sounds great. Yeah. Write some We'd code. We'd love to get down to Connecticut. Play some music. Eat some lobster. You're, you're practically in Carl's backyard. That's true. So it's only a nine-hour drive. <laughs> Just nine hours away. <laughs> Don't you know. Hop, skip, and a jump. That's a short trip in Texas, isn't it? Yeah, couldn't even get to El Paso in that kind of time. That's just for getting milk, you know. <laughs> I'll be back, honey.
Um, <laughs> no, I lived in the city in Texas, and it's not like that. So how long is it going to be, Mark, before she starts saying A? <laughs> uh, probably not too long. <laughs> She'll be calling us hosers before we know it. You hoser. <laughs> so you got a question about the data grid, eh? <laughs> I have said it, but it still feels a little odd. You have any moose or caribou in your backyard? No. No. Just beagles. Be- beagles? Beagles. I have two beagles. Oh. I thought you said bagels there. And no. I, that oh, we have bagels nearby, too. Uh-huh. We re- live right near a whole bunch of bagel shops, so that's funny. Cool. How's the SARS thing going up there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was afraid you were Oh, gosh. Up. Every time I mention Toronto, I get a question about SARS. It's pretty um, much gone over, I did over, see a store it? the other day. I thought it was pretty clever. They were having an end of SARS sale. Excellent. That was pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a gas mask or half price. That was a clothing store. <laughs> what are the talks to have a sale? <laughs> what are the talks you're doing at Tech Ed? Um, in Australia, I'm just doing the one, and it's my advanced data grid tips talk, which um, is the same one I'm giving at a couple of user groups. And then in New Zealand, I'm giving that one as well as a um, uh, MSDE with ASP.NET talk. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be cool. Yeah, that should be a good one. I can, I. I always tell people they should look in MSDE, especially if they're using, you know... Access. A- ASP.NET. Well, but yeah, I don't even talk about it. <laughs> people ask me... What's Access? I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> I still know using a lot what? of classic ASP sites that use Access, and oh. so I'm always recommending that they go to MSDE. Oh, shudders. I shudder. Yeah. I shudder when I hear that. All the time. Yeah, when people ask me, uh, hey, Carl, how many users does Access support at the same time? My answer is one. <laughs> now that's not technically true. Oh come on, you know close it's true. <laughs> you know, it, you know it's, it's closer true, than twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd say one before I'd say twenty. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Marcy, how about training? Uh, I think we had talked a while back. You were interested in in getting into the training into the business. That's right. Um, kind of the mentoring role that I'm doing there at my client in Texas. I'm really liking that, and so I'm wanting to do more training. Um. That's part of why I'm doing my MCSD.net right now is um, working to do that and maybe become an MCT and do some of the Microsoft courses. Great. Yeah, that is great. We'll be looking forward to have you having you join the ranks. That's sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'd, right. I'd love to do training. So you program mostly in VBNet or C Sharp as well or what? I do mainly VBNet. Um, occasionally I'll have a client um, send me something that's in C Sharp and um, I'll have to work with it in that, which I can do some C Sharp. Mm-hmm. Or um, I actually had one project where my whole project was converting a data grid app from C Sharp to VB. Oh, cut and paste. That was kind of funny. Press the button. No, no, no <laughs> I recoded it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went through it all. I can at least read C Sharp. It's not my native language, but I can speak it. I think that's important to uh, be able to read. Or at least read C Sharp if you're a VBNet Yeah, at least read it from all the samples that are available on the web. I, I think it's really helpful to be at least able to read both. And I've heard yeah. people on both camps saying, C Sharp developers saying they have a hard time reading VB.net or more likely VB developers saying they have a hard time reading C Sharp. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you went through the process. It's not that bad, is it? It's not too bad. I, I think it's helpful to be familiar with the syntax of both languages. Right. I tell you, I love C Sharp for doing certain things, but... Uh, I just don't think in C sharp. It's more of an effort for me. So, but I do like it. Yeah. To each his own. I came from a VB background, and so I'm just more comfortable with the VB syntax. Yeah. 
Well, I think like Carl said, you know, whatever language you learn first and you work with early in your career, you tend to think in that language and you compare everything else to it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I learned VB first, VB4 straight out of college, and so I guess that's still what I'm most familiar with. Well, I used to do COBOL, so when I first learned uh, BASIC, I, I had to equate BASIC and COBOL together. Mm-hmm. That's a scary picture, but eventually I got through it. <laughs> yeah, I can't really picture that. From what I've seen of COBOL, it's a totally different world. It is. And believe it or not, there's a COBOL for .NET. I have seen that. Um, Alex Lau at ASP Alliance has an example of a sample COBOL.NET ASP page that I just think is so funny. And um, I printed out actually for a client of mine that used to be COBOL developers, and they just got a real kick out of seeing an ASP.NET page written in COBOL. <laughs> well, I think to prove it could be done, uh, some someone, it may have been Fujitsu, rewrote FM stocks in COBOL.NET. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there, there's a major major project that's been converted over to COBOL.NET. Huh. Wow. Okay, uh, who the hell is O-Town? <laughs> O-Town is a boy band. And uh, uh, to go right. with kind of the girl theme, I thought I had to have a boy band page on there. <laughs> Do you actually listen to these guys, or is it just a goof? Well, actually, I, I didn't until then. Um, I, I asked my 13-year-old neighbor, Courtney, who I should put on there. And she said, oh, O-Town. And so Eli got the album cover, put up some stuff on there. and um, I can't believe this. You then I saw their album at a discount rack at a CD store, so I had to buy it. I can't believe you actually have this text up here. Many of you have expressed concern over Ashley's recent injury. He fell off the stage after the Bravo Super Show in Germany. <laughs> Eli found that somewhere in the Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> what are, uh, so, Yeah, go ahead, Mark. So do the guys from O-Town uh, know that, that they're up on your site? I don't think so. I haven't been contacted by anyone yet. <laughs> Although occasionally I get emails about that. I got one a couple weeks ago that said something like, hey, if you can get a message to O-Town, will you tell them this? <laughs> People think that I know the band or something. <laughs> Why else would you have them on your page, right? Sure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> also, early on, I was pretty light for content, so I needed the filler page. <laughs> and it's gotten kind of popular. It, get, it gets as many links as the rest of my site, I swear. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, before we get short on time, uh, is there anything you can tell us about uh, the future for the data grid? Um, I do know that Microsoft is working on some really new, interesting things related to data binding. Um, I think they're coming out with a new control that's similar to the data grid that does some interesting things. So it all gets better. Um, so is that as much detail as you can In other use? words, no comment. Yeah, I don't know if I can really say any more than that. Well, we, well, we, we don't want you to, uh, to break any kind of uh, you well, know, we, we NDA can say every We can talk about everything we saw at uh, the Dev Connections demo that Scott Guthrie did. That's true. And there he did use another control that was very similar to the data grid. Yeah, we I think we brought this up in another show, but for those of you who weren't don't remember that, basically he just dragged a table onto a web page and got a grid, and then uh, set and a no paging code no code editing or sorting or anything like that. Right, and then set like a paging property and pressed F five, press you know run, and he had a paging grid, and then a sorting property, and he had sorting, and the word the the kick in the pants was the editing property. Whatever it was, it was some property. It wasn't like allow editing, but it was something like that. 
He just set one property and then instant editable grid and no code. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So in ASP.NET 2.0, I guess the, the goal, as he said, Scott Guthrie, Microsoft, it was to reduce the amount of code by 75% that it takes to write web apps. Man, at this point, you know, it's going to make everything else look foolish. Yeah. yeah. So can you still get to the, uh, the code behind uh, what the wizards generated? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same model. It still generates code, but you don't have to write it. Right. So when you say uh, reduce it by 75%, it's just 75% less that you would have to write by hand. Well, actually, what, the way they're doing that is they're building a bunch of new controls. You know, ASP colon data grid. They're putting in a whole bunch of new controls that do common things that you would have to write code for, that those controls do out of the box. And so you won't have to write that code at all. It's not generated either. It's just... Don't it's have to write internal. It. It's internal to the tools. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. See, I'm I'm one of those guys that I don't mind using a wizard, you know? I mean, I've written a lot of code, and if I've got something I can trust to write good code for that's me, the whole thing. I'll let it do it. That's it. If you can trust it. And I, the litmus test for me is if I can read the code and understand it yeah. and think to myself, oh, that's the way I would have written it then we're golden. But, you know, some of the stuff yeah. that we've seen in the past has been yeah. scary. Or if you can set some properties somewhere that'll make it generate the code that you would have written, then that's fine. But right. some wizard code well, I'm that's not fond of. That's sort of the cool thing about inheritance, isn't it? Is that it's almost like better than having the source code because you don't have to look at a whole bunch of code and figure out what to change. You can just override a particular uh, member that you need to change and, and recode it. That's true. That is a nice thing about objects. Do you find a lot of people using inheritance with ASP.NET objects? Somewhat. Um, sometimes I'll get questions that start with, you know, I'm trying to inherit from the data grid control to do something specific for my company. And um, seeing some people do that, at least. That's, that's interesting. I think there's, never, there, there's no better model for the power of inheritance than web controls. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I really... don't really see enough people doing it, though. But, I mean, still not as many as you might think. Well, maybe just a little difficult to understand. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's really a new world for VB programmers to uh, to to get into. True. Uh, you know, I think in a couple of years you're probably going to see uh, see that be commonplace. I, I think probably also because you really have to have both skills. You have to have the HTML skills, the JavaScript skills, or whatever of the raw web developer, and you have to have the object-oriented knowledge. So not not a lot of people have both of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Until now. <laughs> Whole new breed of developer. So, you know, that, that kind of brings up a good question. Uh, do you both feel like VS.NET is an environment that's going to encourage people that were specialized to become more generalist in technologies? How do you mean? Wow, that's a specialized to be a generalist? That's an interesting dilemma. Well, yeah, right. What I'm what I'm talking about. I mean, if somebody were were say just an, a web developer, and now they're now they're involved in oh, okay. you know doing projects in Visual Studio .NET, maybe they've got to learn about writing to message queues. They've got to learn more about doing data access. I, so yeah. they you know they have to really broaden their horizons. Me personally, I think that out of economic reality that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, whereas. We had a web developer, a guy who understood the web, and a guy who understood Windows. Now I think they're going to be leaning on their 
same programmers to do both of those things and maybe letting go a few people. Um, unfortunately, that's sort of the way that this business works, people-wise. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've kind of seen both. I've seen that happen where a lot of companies are having, you know, one or two IT people that have to do everything or web development that has to do all aspects of the project. But then I've also seen other places on larger projects that start having people actually get more specialized where this person just does the web services, this person just does UI, and this person does the data access and things like that. So I think Visual Studio, and especially where they're going in the future, it really helps in any scenario like that either way. Yeah. Well, uh, we're running a little bit short on time, uh, coming almost to the end here, but uh, we've got one more topic to discuss, I suppose. And that is baseball. So, (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So uh, what's up with the Blue Jays, huh? Jeez. I have no idea. Next time. I think they're a baseball team. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, I, I was actually at Fenway a couple of weeks ago seeing the Toronto Blue Jays playing the Red Sox, and they kicked the Red Sox butt. It was interesting, but we don't care about that. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, sort of cricket sound there, Carl. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So um, we talked about a couple of things that you talk, that you discuss in your talk on advanced tips. If if you had to pick one killer tip, I mean we've already had a couple of killer tips here, but uh, one more absolute killer tip. Uh, what would you pick? Oh gosh, let's see. Um, the other main tip that I try to send people to when I'm talking is. Um, some of the custom columns that are out there for the data grid. There's a guy named Andy Smith who runs a website called metabuilders.com, and he has some really useful tools for the data grid. Um, the most popular is probably the row selector column, and that lets you really easily put um, checkboxes or radio buttons into a data grid for selecting rows. And so I recommend that all the time, and I show a demo of that in my talk. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually there. You have a link to it on your site where you can see it in action. That's right, I do. So you just, with his custom column, you just have to set a simple property that says single or multiple to allow either checkboxes or radio buttons, and um, just makes that whole process a lot easier. Otherwise, you have to write a bunch of code to handle radio buttons, say, in a data grid. Yeah, that's cool. I've also got to ask you about this book on your website that uh, that you recommend. You say it answers most of the questions that you encountered in the news group. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, That is also a book that I recommend all the time in my talks, and uh, that is Scott Mitchell's book, and it's called ASP.NET Data Web Controls. And that's the only book that's on the market right now that only covers the data grid, repeater, and data list, and it answers a lot of the tough data grid questions. Anything tricky that you'd want to do is in this book. It's an excellent book. Hmm. That's cool. I I was recently at a Borders looking for that book, and they didn't have it. Hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get online and order it. Yeah. Well, there's a link to it on my site, and uh, it's right there on the front page if you want to order it through Amazon. Uh, Sam's was kind enough to send me a copy as it came out, so I haven't had to look for it in bookstores. Oh, cool. So was Mitchell one of the four guys from Rolla? That's right. He was one of the four guys from Rolla, and um, I believe he's still the editor for that site and does a lot of writing on data grids and all kinds of things. That's so uh, before we wrap up, I sent you a link today to the Star Wars kid. Oh, my God. What did you think about that? I was dying. That was that was pretty scary. Well, I I thought it was funny when I first saw it until I started to read about it. 
this kid had to go into psychotherapy, and his parents are now suing uh, the four kids that stole the video no. from his locker. You're kidding. Wow. I didn't read that far into it. <laughs> I thought it. Yeah, yeah, I got curious about it. And for listeners that don't know, this is a kid in Quebec that uh, basically, I guess, had filmed himself um, uh, imitating Darth Maul with a broomstick or something. And these on kids uh, stole the video out of his locker and somehow uploaded it on Kazaa. And, you know, it's just created a craze. There are like 40 clone videos of it that guys have added effects to. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's made this guy notorious now. Well, there's nothing spectacularly funny or anything about his original video. It just looks like he's goofing around in front of the camera. You know, he's right. a little dorky looking, but it's nothing that you would laugh out loud funny, you know? <laughs> but what's funny is that people just took this video and added effects and, and all sorts of other things, you know, like made the lightsaber, the ends light up in the, when it comes by the camera, goes, you know, and, and all the different spins that they put on it. But uh, I suppose if I was that kid's parents, I'd be a little bit upset, <laughs> not to mention yeah. the kid. But they didn't. They don't use his last name. Uh, his parents right, are right. trying They're to protect his identity. They're protecting the family. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, it it entertained me for hours. Uh, <laughs> it was pre- some of those are pretty clever. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And and what did you s- say there that I saw something like Time Magazine's website of the year in after only eighteen days of being up. What was that? Do you remember that little thing? I couldn't hear you. Do you remember that little thing uh, on the on the website that said this became Time Magazine's website of the year only after being online for 18 days? Yeah, I did see something about that. So uh, apparently, it generated eight million hits. Wow! So uh, that you know, it got very popular very quickly. Yeah. Well, I don't have. Maybe the I need a link to that on my site. Yeah. Maybe I'll replace boy t- with O Town. With the uh, Star Wars boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, anyway, Marcy, do you have any last-minute words of wisdom to impart on the listening audience? Oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> and with that, that, that wraps up. <laughs> that was really brilliant, wasn't it? Brilliant edition of Dot Rock. Well, Marcy, you've got to let me know when you're going to be in Atlanta so I can take you out for some southern barbecue. There you right. go. That sounds good. And, you know, I know that you will enjoy the meal. Excellent. I good like stuff. southern barbecue. And uh, you'll have to tell tell us which is better, the lobster from New London or the uh, southern barbecue from Atlanta. Well, I can already already tell you lobster's probably going to be better. I know. That's going to be. That's not a fair that's comparison, hard to beat. Carl. A hot lobster roll and ribs. You know? True. Well, we can do ribs, too, up here, too but probably not as good as you can. Yeah, Ru- Russell's ribs uh, is pretty good. That it, it would compare very favorably to most places down here in the South. That's good to know. It's good to know. Well, uh, on behalf of Data Grid users everywhere, thank you very much, not just for this show, but for your site and all the work that you do in the community. And uh, come back and be on the show again, won't you? All right. Thanks for having me, Carl. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a great show, Marcy. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Okay, good night now. Good night. Good night.